Welcome to Lean Agile Management Podcast, a show by Kanbanize that helps you boost work efficiency, create culture of high performance, and build teams that thrive. Welcome to the lounge. Today in the show. We can do a lot more by looking at at the portfolio level. The organization that is working on pool-based system, they can have very high degree of predictability uh, on how long it will take for a certain type of work to get done. And many, many years where we've been educated and conditioned to believe that the more we start, the more we will finish. That's not the case. And that takes a lot of undoing. Our special guest today is Nader Talai. He's a professional IT manager, organizer for the London Limited Web Society and business agility consultant at Valley Glide. Hi, Nader. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dimitra. Thanks for the invite. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm glad you, you could do this. So to kickstart the conversation, I'd like to ask you one big question. And that is, what is, in your view, the number one most, um, most painful struggle or issue in modern management that, uh, if, that you see people struggle with consistently? I think that the challenge is achieving business agility beyond um, some superficial change and actually uh, looking for outcomes that are meaningful to a business. And as, a, mm. as opposed to just implementing a method or a way of working. Right. So it's going away from the labels and actually getting to the true results, right? Yeah. Mm. We, we see that people actually start thinking and discussing it, but not in the exact terms that we use. So it's kind of hard to get to this, like make this conversation more feasible and real for the management. <laughs> Yes, I think it's very difficult. It's, it's harder for the high-level management because they just uh, believe that what they've done so far is working. That's why they're mm -hmm. successful. And it becomes yes. harder and harder for us to sort of convince them. And the way to convince them is through delivery, through action. So mm -hmm. you just want to get a small piece and start delivering it and then keep growing that. Um, and that's, that's the challenge. That's the way I've, I've worked. It's not the only way. I know some people who go and try and change you know, they try and set, set out to change the whole organization. I don't see many successes. Mm. I see very short term, you know, that yes, everybody's saying yes, but actually they are not saying yes. They're just uh, overwhelmed and uh, they're looking for a way out and they usually um, change you or, you know, change suppliers because they're not ready for that revolutionary approach to change. Right. Very often it comes to the personal career success question. Yeah. So people feel very vulnerable and they don't really want to think about it. Well, maybe they don't actually have the environment to feel safe to take such bold experiments because yeah. it requires for people to accept that they're, they might not be right. And that's actually okay. <laughs> uh, that, that's exactly it. You know, the, the, uh, the fact that we all want certainty and it's the wrong thing that managers demand from people who report to them. What they should be demanding or encouraging is people to come and say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Let me do an experiment. You know, what are my constraints for doing that experiment? Well, I'm going to give you 500,000 pounds or I'm going to give you five pounds. You can do an experiment with that. Or I'm going to give you three days. Go come back to me in three days and tell me what else you know. And then we can go from there as opposed to, you know, expecting the higher up you are the more certain you can say yeah i can deliver that and that's a big challenge yes yeah 
And do you have an example of a team or organization that you would call truly high agility company? I have an organization of a of uh, sorry. I have an example of an organization that improved their agility um, from sort of an idea to to launch being over four hundred days to getting it under ninety days. Hmm. Are they perfect? No. Do they have a long way to go? Yes. But I mean, that's the thing. You know, the the if you like is is forever evolving. Um, a because you get better, and B because the market doesn't stand still. Right. So just because you are that much better from what you wear, it doesn't mean that you can stop there. So you continually evolve. And that particular organization, yes, I can, I can take you through, um, through that setup, if you like. That organization engaged us to look at the IT delivery because, again, the thinking was that projects get delivered very, very slowly. And yes, that was the case. But when you looked at the overall timeline, which is the 404 days, which actually wasn't the first thing we could do because you have to get engaged in, in if you like, the delivery side of things, prove that you can improve things, and then build confidence and credibility within the organization. And then we took a wider system view and looked at the end-to-end. And we realized that, you know, from the 400 days, the IT side was only a subset of it and not, uh, so the delivery of the project was only a subset of it. Mm-hmm. And it's only by engaging the whole value stream, if you like, the whole workflow to say, okay, uh, you have the, the, the workflow at a very high level is that I've got an idea. Uh, then I go to uh, an investment board with a business case. They look at it. You revise it a few times. Eventually, you either get approved or you delayed. If you approved it, you wait on a, in a queue of approved project or initiatives, then those initiatives get assigned to a release, then a release gets sort of assigned to a project manager, and a project manager will work with teams to deliver it. And it was multiple project managers. You got business change project manager, line of business project managers, and technology business managers. Right. And, and then that, that whole lot got improved to, by the factors I mentioned. Yes, of course, the system was inefficient to start with, but it was also suffering from looking at point, you know, only looking at a part and saying it's only the technology delivery, which is, which is normally not the case. Okay. Wow. And that sounds like a quite an improvement. Um, but how, how did you get there? Is there any um, tool or way or specific um, framework or method approach that you used to, to do that? A multiple, uh, there isn't a simple, single tool or, or method that, you, that, that I would say, yes, this is the thing you, you use and you get there. But certainly um, Kanban is a big influence on, on the way I, or we work and uh, I work as well. So Kanban was a lens, putting the Kanban lens on it, looking at the end-to-end workflow, looking at the service delivery and looking at our flow efficiency, if you like, end-to-end was a key factor in continually and relentlessly looking at how we improve the delivery this organization mm-hmm. the the technical practices based on extreme programming were another f- factor to sort of improve the the just the de- development side side of it which actually gave us the credibility and the confidence to then engage the rest of the organization and and but visualizing basically that whole timeline and showing where the time is going and that you know the, um, the the technical side of it isn't the major element so we could improve the project timeline, if you like, the delivery timeline by 100%, but that still be in the 5% of the overall. And that's what made it all happen. 
Right. Um, it, so you, you've mentioned using visualization and looking at the broader picture. So I guess it's not just visualizing, but going to the portfolio level, right? Yeah. So looking at a wider picture, what's happening here. Um, but that alone, I can, I, um, I can see how that would help a lot. And we've, we've had another episode on this podcast about visualization and transparency. But um, I bet you need to do more than just see the issue. So how, how would you start dealing with um, yeah. when they want to achieve business agility, not just on, on team level in a silo, but when they want to look at the larger picture? Sure. Yeah, the, I mean, I'm glad you asked that. I mean, the, the key problem that we see a lot in organization is that demand is assigned to the teams with the data already. Mm-hmm. And what we can do at a team level at best using some uh, workflow management, Kanban methods, limiting the web and improving the flow within the team. But the fundamental problem, and if you think of it as, as a lever, that's a short lever. And if we go at the portfolio, at the organizational level portfolio, that's where we make the most impact. And we need to look at that level through the lens of what is our organizational capability in dealing with these initiatives? How many can we do? What should the blend be? in uh, increasing revenue, protecting revenue, reducing cost, um, managing risk, and discovery side of things. And then sort of, if you like, allocate capacity and limit the, the, num- the flow from that side, and then we get the maximum results for our organization. This is very easy to say, and, and organizations do understand this, but the problem is that we have a lot of training and many, many years where we've been uh, if you like, educated and conditioned to believe that the more we start, the more we will finish. And right. The sooner we start, the sooner we finish. And that takes a lot of, if you like, undoing over a number of days and weeks before we can relearn that that's not the case. Right. Yeah. And that's quite a, um, quite an obstacle to overcome. Uh, but how, how can actually, how can we actually approach this? So it is a huge issue. Uh, but what you've described sounds like the Kanban pool principle and you, you mentioned capacity and allocating our resources. So that's something that people are familiar with on team level. And some people are big fans of limits and others are not so much, but how, if, if that's what we're talking about here, how can we scale this to the company level? Because some would object and they would say, Oh, isn't this just for small teams? It wouldn't work on my organization wouldn't work on larger scale how can we respond to such a claim sure i mean um yes we will get that challenge but reality is that it will work and it does work um and it's just a question of working depending on 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 how you're engaged sometimes you're engaged at the uh, you know portfolio level ceo or chief executive level and they you have the credibility and the confidence and they will follow through what you say. And sometimes you have to do like this um, case study I, I just mentioned, where you gain your credibility through delivery at the team of teams level, you know, multiple teams, but that gives you the credibility to say, well, if we can do this within just the technical delivery, we can do a lot more by looking at at the portfolio level and working with the uh, organization at the portfolio level, which we did, and uh, sort of working through how can we limit the number of things we do to be relevant to the market? Because 
when you work on portfolios where they're trying to look ahead three, four, five years, it assumes that we can second guess what the market needs and mm -hmm. what our customers want. And one of the things that really helped was we had this massive initiative um, that everybody in the company believed it's going to be the game changer. We did a lot of investment in it, despite our guidance to say, look, can we experiment, put something and said, no, no, we have to have the whole thing. And we did. And that was, was a flop. I mean, it wasn't a total flop, but it didn't, if you looked at return on investment, it was, um, it was a flop. So that then was another key, if you like, contributing factor to the organization looking at, well, instead of trying to go for one massive things, let's go for smaller, if you like, bets. And also have these assessed outcomes that we want to flow to our system and limit the number of them we do based on our capability. We know how many things we delivered in a year. So let's not assume that this year is going to be any different than last year. And then once we improve our system of work and we have evidence that we can do more, next year we'll put more through the system. But this year, just run from that. And we didn't get it for a year, but we said, let, let's look, try it for a quarter. And we did it for a quarter. And in that quarter, we delivered more. So they just tried it for another quarter. And they said, that's good. And then you know, three quarters in a row. First time, they said, it's lucky you just had the easy stuff. Second time, they said, well, maybe there's something in it. By the time you get three quarters going, then it goes beyond luck. And they say, yeah, there must be something in the system of work that you, you are um, asking us to, to adopt. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I guess not everyone will be that lucky to have, um, have the right to experiment for three quarters. Because at the beginning, somebody has to accept the whole idea of, okay, let's, let's stop doing so many things and let's break things down and make, make smaller parts and work, work, work through them bit by bit. Um, something we've heard and discussed in this podcast as well is how people are actually afraid to admit that they don't know what's, well, that nobody can say for certain what's the 100% right direction because there is no such thing. <laughs> because the customer doesn't actually understand what they want until they get it. The producer doesn't actually know how to produce it until it. Um, so how can somebody who is in a position where the organization is not really ready for it yet, and they would like to introduce the idea of business agility and limiting work in progress and limiting initiatives on the company level, are there any arguments or any ways they could su suggest such a change? Because I guess it's not something that you can achieve overnight. Just say, okay, let's do this and everyone's on board. <laughs> so. No, I, I agree that you cannot do it over, overnight and just say, yeah, everybody else on board. Let's flick the switch. And from tomorrow, we're going to do something different. So again, I would go to Kanban method, you know, evolutionary change, start from where you are, agree what the outcomes are uh, that you want to go for. And of course, that will evolve over time because what you think you want right now, it will change, but at least have some sort of, guidelines to work uh, with. Uh, people want certainty. We all want certainty. Mm. And we can give certainty in small doses, if you like, but it's very difficult to provide certainty sort of like 12 months, 14 months, 16 months hence. Uh, but we, we like to have that. And the best way we can rewire the system is by continually delivering against expectations that we set. So shorter timelines, shorter iterations, time boxes, deliver value, and then keep going. Even in that case study that I mentioned, initial year was just to get the, the if you like, credibility and making sure that the technical delivery was reliable, predictable, and of high quality. 
once that happened, then we, we could go and extend the system boundary, if you like. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and is, is this case study available somewhere? Could our listeners go and find it out? It's not available just yet, but uh, we, we will be writing it and making it available. There are bits of it that are available on the, on, on the Value Glide website, but as a whole, it's not. So we, we will write it and make it available. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then when we're talking about working with Twilio Kanban and um, setting up the right limits, focusing our attention on the right things, we've discussed some challenges that people would have to overcome, like attitudes of other people who are not, who, who didn't buy into the idea yet. And overall, the idea that it's not just a big project, but an incremental change. Are there any other challenges that people can expect when they? when they set up on a road of business agility? Sure. I mean, you, 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 I mean, one of the things we do through evolutionary change is that we want to minimize the resistance to change we, uh, because we, we, if you like, approach change through emotions. We want to limit um, the negative emotions that we have to change. So everybody and every context will be different. So sometimes most contexts, well, I can say every place we have been in, we, we find at least one slice that is not just a team. It's reasonably big chunk. It could be a department. It could be a division. But the divisional head wants to try a new way, is more uh, approachable and, and wants to try it. Then we will use the, that team and that division if you like as the to create positive peer pressure for the rest of the organization mm-hmm. and once you get two two of them three of them you get to that tipping point where there is enough inertia within the organization where everybody else wants it as well okay yeah and these teams that i'm talking about that's that typically 1800 people 500 people so they're not like teams of five or seven people i'm talking about the divisional units within a organization okay yeah that sounds like quite a scale so that that immediately beats any arguments about scale <laughs> and anyone who's asking oh is it possible and larger well there you go it is <laughs> yeah the scale is only a question of coordination and synchronization and there are patterns for doing that oh could we discuss a little bit so what kind of patterns do you mean here well within within kanban we've got the cadences that allow us uh to synchronize and coordinate work, if you like. And then there are other frameworks that also do that as well. So if you've got a portfolio to deliver, uh, typically a portfolio is not one product backlog, Mm -hmm. uh, but you try and organize your teams so that as much as possible, they're independent of each other. Um, It's not always possible. You will end up with some shared um, resources or shared teams that deliver to you but if, if if at all possible your first line if you like the first approach is to make sure that we have a team and when i'm saying a team is not just six seven nine i mean a team like a delivery unit mm-hmm. uh, which may have many many teams in it that is independent and can deliver a product backlog independent of other teams within the organization that would be your first and second if you like approach mm-hmm. if those do not work then you have to create a we'll end up with some dependencies where a team can produce some parts and then it has dependencies on other teams. 
And again, within the Kanban system, we show that as hierarchy of boards, and we can we have various techniques for synchronizing the work between the two um, two teams, uh, either as if you like work items that get split and sort of get consumed, uh, produced by a component team or sub feature team, and then they come back up and they flow. And um, I think we we talked about this, but we for some not really um, very familiar with the topic. It might not be that obvious. So we talked about you just mentioned flow as well, and um, we did say that having a focus helps to achieve that. But could we just go back a little bit and expand on actually getting and understanding and establishing that kind of flow? So when we are at the team level and um, whatever the size and scale, size and scale of it is, um, could we could we just start from there and go up to portfolio and just sure. reiterate how how this. Sure, sure. So, so you you have so I'm going to uh, split it between the discovery and delivery because you know your um, constraints are different between discovery and delivery. So let's let's just focus on the delivery for for a moment. So we've got ideas that have been gone through proposition, have have if you like been refined, and we've got a set of outcomes that we want to deliver. And we believe that these are the right things to deliver because of our user research, customer research, whatever, however way we go through our discovery, whether it's discovery Kanban, whether it's Lean UX, we've got a set of outcomes that we want to, to shoot for. And within the delivery, we then look at, when we talk about a flow, is about looking at the overall lead time from the moment we start working on the item to the moment that we deliver it. And then the other thing that we look at is the concept of flow efficiency, which is how much of that time is due to us working on it and how much of that time is due to, to the work item waiting for a service to be delivered, either by us or external team or external supplier. And then the focus of our improvements is on tackling those sources of delay mm-hmm. and then improving the overall flow. Okay. Um, and we've mentioned pool as a principle, but we have not really gotten too much detail about, well, we did, but once again, if somebody hears this for the first time, how could we just once again, quickly explain the pool on mm-hmm. team versus higher level? So again, most organizations work on a push-based system where, you know, a, a request comes in and you push it to a team and we start working on it because the, the request has just arrived. So we start working on it. That leads into a lot of work in progress, not a lot of work finishing. Mm-hmm. A good example of this could be if you think of a motorway, highway, freeway, whatever, or autobahn, wherever you are, you might have a different term for it. <laughs> if you've got lots of cars in that motorway and utilizing every um, meter, inch, mile of the tarmac, you have very, very high utilization and every car has started the journey very, very fast. As soon as they arrive, they, they start it. But not many cars will get from one junction to the other very quickly. And this is the system of work that we have with the other disadvantage that actually because we're working in knowledge work systems, we don't see these cars piling up. People are just juggling plates, so we just switch from one task to the other and to the other. 
So we start working on it. Uh, oh, I've got a bit. I get stuck. Either I need information from uh, somebody who's not available or I need service from another team. So I said, I could put it back, pick the next one up, do a bit, and so on and so forth, and just carries on. So work just... We just keep switching tasks, but not many things get finished. And when we finish it, that usually means another team or another person needs to work on it. So they repeat the pattern the same way. So that leads to very, very long delivery times and disappointments Mm. and leads to what we call expedites uh, because customers at some stage will get really unhappy about the late delivery and they start chasing it, which means we start servicing it, we deliver higher class of service, another term that we haven't, <laughs> haven't defined. So we, we divert capacity to fulfill that request, which means other people will suffer and then somebody else will complain. And so this vicious cycle will just carry on forever. Mm. People who've read Goal are familiar with this. <laughs> right. And um, so how do we combat that? Well, the way we combat that is we move from a push-based system to a pull-based system. So we have, we limit the number of tokens available, if you like, slots where we can work. And we say, okay, let's not, we only work and wait until we, have, we are available to work on it. So just because somebody requests for it, we don't start it. We, we delay the start until we have availability. And the availability signal, if you like, it comes from downstream when we finish the work. Then that's a, a signal to say, okay, let's service the, the, uh, the next item, the next item. And that's how, if you like, the difference between a push and a pull-based system is. So the pull-based system will only start work when there is availability to do it. And, and by default, it means we have capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. A pull-based system is also predictable because within the system boundary, we can get predictability on our delivery rates and, and lead times for completion, whereas a push-based system is unpredictable because of the wait times and the expedites that come in. Some things will get done faster because somebody is shouting and some things will, will take a long time. But overall, things will wait a lot longer. Great. I, I think this also answers my other question, which is if we had, a, if we had two organizations side by side and we had to compare them, and the difference that we know they have is that one practices the pull principle on portfolio level, or in other words, they have much higher business agility with another one who works in the traditional way with the push principle. Um, what kind of differences we would see? So, yes. Key. I, I think those, those are the key. The key differences you'll see is predictability uh, because the organization that is working on pull-based system, they can have very high degree of predictability uh, on how long it will take for a certain type of work to get done. Um, that, whether that's a project uh, outcome, whatever it is, they can do that. Uh, the other thing that they will have is they will have better employee satisfaction because they're not overburdening them. The employees are not forced into cutting corners. They get higher uh, pride of workmanship mm. and the quality goes up. And of course, the customer satisfaction, which is also related to that. If you meet expectations, usually customers are happy provided the product is what they wanted. But if, you know, if the, the customer needs to wait and you're not reliable in the delivery, then it leads to less customer satisfaction. Yep. 
yeah, quite a direct connection there. <laughs> okay. And to, um, to, to summarize the conversation that we just had is I just, I would like to ask one final question. And that one is, um, what is the number one advice that you could give to a company who is striving for business agility and who would like to get started with it? What should they pay attention to? Um, the number one thing they should do and pay attention to, I would say implement a pull-based system of work. And for that to happen means that they need to visualize the work, have a visual management system in place, visualize the work, and put a pull-based system in place. The higher up at the organization level you implement the, the, the pull-based system of work, the more the rewards you get as a, at an organizational level. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much for um, helping us understand more about portfolio Kanban and pull on organizational level, and going from just going from push to pull on on such a high level. So, thank you for your time and for for the knowledge you've shared with us. Thank you for the opportunity. The lamp is brought to you by Kanbanize, the leading Kanban software for lean management. Learn more at Kanbanize.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like. And if you're listening on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us and see you here next time.